Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hey, before we get started with this episode, I just want to warn you, this interview does have descriptions of harassment, so it might be upsetting to some listeners. Here we go. From WBEZ Chicago, I am Greta Johnson, and this is Power Up, a project from Nerd App Podcast where we talk to fascinating people about how they set themselves up for success in what can be an exhausting world. One extra exhausting part of the world is sexual assault. It's a topic that's gotten lots more attention since the Me Too movement has begun, and the conversation is happening all over the place, in workplaces and Hollywood sets and music festivals. It's supposed to be a time to let loose and have fun, but many women say they can't do that because they're constantly watching out for unwanted events. But how safe are women attending America's premier music festival? More and more. In close quarters like this, at a concert like Coachella, you can certainly see how a guy could grab a girl without her consent. It's not just Coachella. Our guest this week is Vera Papasova, the wellness editor for Teen Vogue. She recently attended Coachella, a music festival in Southern California, that this year featured artists like Haim and The Weeknd and, of course, Beyonce. Vera interviewed 54 women at the festival, and each one, like every single one, told her they had been sexually harassed during that weekend. Her article has received a ton of attention, both positive and negative. Vera, welcome to Power Up. Thank you so much. I'm such a big fan of the podcast. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. So, Vera, you wrote this story. The headline was sexual harassment was rampant at Coachella 2018. This went super viral. I'm pretty sure like the day after it came out, it was just all over my Facebook. And I got to say, like, I see this headline. I remember not being particularly surprised, right? I mean, this is like Mm -hmm. not an astonishing fact. But can you go through a little bit what you reported in this story? Yeah. um, So I was covering Coachella for Teen Vogue. We know that a lot of our readers go to the festivals. And um, I definitely didn't expect to get the story that I did. I didn't plan on writing myself into the story and talking about my own experience. Like it, It kind of went rogue because I... I thought I'd interview, you know, 10, 15 people and get a couple stories, but I just, it kept, every person I interviewed, they had a story from that weekend. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it, how it was born. And you talk about putting yourself into the story. This is because as you are interviewing these women about being harassed, you are in fact being harassed. How many times were you groped over the 10 hours that you were there? Um, So I was groped 22 times. I didn't count like random people brushing by or whatever or anything that might have been an accident and I definitely didn't yeah I also definitely didn't count the number of times I was actually like harassed I only counted groups so what were some of the stories you heard from some of these 54 women that you talked to yeah um so a lot of them were very similar um you know in these crowded 
places. And again, this isn't even just Coachella. I think it's like all music festivals, anywhere where there's a big crowd, a big celebration, where you can kind of be close to people and get away with touching them. Yeah, I mean, like any crowded public space, essentially. Yeah. And so um, a lot of the stories were, you know, when they were trying to dance, like they'd be, you know, watching a band and, you know, someone would kind of come up behind them and start like grinding against them or just grabbing their body. There was one story actually that a lot of people, it resonated with a lot of people, which was a girl talking about being picked up. Like literally picked up. Yeah, she was literally picked up and like thrown over a guy's shoulder. And she was like, I'm small, so this happens to me a lot. People just pick me up. Mm. Yeah, there were a lot of people on Twitter who were like, thank you for including this. This this happens to me. You also describe stories of women being propositioned for sex and being verbally abused when they turn someone down and being stalked around festival grounds. And since this story was published, you've gotten a lot of really negative reactions to this article. I mean, you've gotten like death threats and rape Mm -hmm. threats. Mm -hmm. One thing that I found really impressive and kind of terrifying, honestly, just to picture being in your shoes is you're getting these really violent tweets and you're retweeting them and responding. Why did you decide to react the way you've been reacting? Yeah. Um, yeah. People usually say ignore the trolls and don't read the comments. And I yeah, went you have both, been, of, yeah. both of those. I broke both of those rules. Yeah, you are amplifying. Um, I mean, you yes. know, and you're dif- disputing them as well. But you're still like you're putting them out there. Yeah. And I knew I was prepared. You know, I knew what was going to happen, whether even though I was not asking for it, it's just I knew. And I thought it was really important because I was I had this unique opportunity where I had a lot of people I had a lot of eyes on me because the article was like mid going viral and people were kind of like checking out my social media. And I really wanted to show people what it's like when someone speaks out, especially a woman speaks out against like mistreatment, harassment, assault, Um, because this is not even unique to me. You know, this happens on the Internet every day. Like if I were a black woman, anything I would say would be met with, you know, internet harassment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is a case where I wrote a story that upset people. And I, because I also, you know, cover sexual assault in general as a topic, I know that when it comes to these experiences, it doesn't just stop at the act, at the initial incident of the assault or the harassment. So for me, writing the Coachella story didn't stop at publishing the article. I knew there was going to be the aftermath to deal with. And I think that that's something that is lost on people who have never experienced something like that. And I really just wanted to highlight that what happens after you come forward with a story like this is sometimes just as traumatizing as the initial experience. Yeah, I think one thing that I found really, I don't even know what the word is, astonishing but also not surprising at all, is the scope of ridiculous justifications that you got from, you know, I mean, you would get like, Men were just acting on their natural urges. If women didn't dress this way, then maybe they wouldn't be harassed. Or like, I don't believe you. Why didn't you take pictures of these incidents? Or this can't possibly be true. Why didn't you report anything to authorities? Like just so many arguments that we hear all the time. But it's so interesting to see them all focused on this one specific incident of this story. 
Yeah, I think that a lot of people who, well, first of all, something that I've been you know, calling out is anyone who's saying, what did you expect? Men will be men. Right. Like what, you know, I, it really bothers me because, you know, I know a lot of men who have much higher standards for themselves. And I think it's really insulting to have such a low bar for like an entire gender. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's true. I don't think that men will be men and boys will be boys. And we should expect men to be like horrible people. And, um, Yeah, I think, you know, actually some of the people I interviewed talked about how when they were um, harassed at a music festival like Coachella, what really changed the entire experience and what made them feel safer is when like another man would step in. And so I think, you know, we need to be highlighting more of those stories. I think the one that really infuri- has been infuriating me, actually, is the, like, if you were groped 22 times, why didn't you report that to authorities? Oh, As yeah, if yeah, yeah. security is actually going to do anything about you saying that something happened to you in this huge crowd of people where you couldn't even identify anybody. And it's, yeah. like, not that unusual of an experience where it's, like, we we have been trained not to report this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think that, you know, anyone who's kind of doesn't want to believe that this happens or that this happened. I mean, I just think it's more about them than about me. And I think something about this story is making that person uncomfortable, right? Yeah. So what is it about something that they've experienced or maybe something that they've done where if this story were true, how would that be like hurting their version of reality? So I think that anyone who has a hard time believing these stories, I would just... I think they should think about, you know, why, like, how is this affecting you if this were if this were true? Mm-hmm. For people who have never gotten a death threat on Twitter, what is that like? Oh, it's pretty much as bad as you would think. I think people who have never experienced Internet harassment at all think it. It's really actually I think some people think it's pretty easy to just kind of brush it off. But it kind of feels like if imagine getting a text from like a phone number that you don't know. Um, so you don't really know who's saying it and you don't know how serious it is. And I mean, it sucks. It really does. It's really scary. It makes you feel like um unsafe and I don't think like I don't wish it on anyone, but also at the same time, there are a lot of people who do deal with this all the time and they don't even have, you know, the platform I have. Like anyone who's like an outspoken, like, you know, LGBTQ advocate, you know, women of color, anyone who's kind of, um, whether they're politically active or not, if they're like generally marginalized people, then the internet is kind of a horrible place. And um, I actually think a lot of people know what it feels like. And I am just lucky enough to have a big enough platform where I can just like shed light on this. But I think this is actually a pretty common experience. And it's pretty, it, it is scary, you know, and especially when you can't really do anything about it besides just kind of report the account. And that is just like a form on Twitter, essentially, right? Yeah, it's a form on Twitter. Um, it's pretty easy to do, and they do a pretty good job of suspending the accounts quickly. Well, that's but you still good. have to read it. You still have to see the message and read it before you can do anything about it. Oof. 
After the break, Vera explains how she's been powering up. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. So on Nerdette over the past couple of weeks, we've been asking people how they deal with the stressful world. And we were especially interested in talking to you because you are in an extremely stressful position right now because of this thing you wrote, because of the feedback you've been getting Have you been taking extra efforts over the last month or so to make sure that you are taking care of yourself during this really intense time? I think the thing actually about my job that's the most stressful is actually like how much emotional labor goes into covering so many, you know, traumatic topics because I do cover, you know, the majority of trauma-related stories. So I end up absorbing a lot of people's trauma, which sometimes is really difficult. Other times it's really healing if it's something that I've experienced. Um, My executive editor, Samita Mukhopadhyay, she was like, I like feeling like I'm not the only one who just went through this. And Mm -hmm. I actually agree with that. But in terms of like what I do to take care of myself in general, and when you're talking about like recharging your battery or whatever, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to look at what's draining your battery. And I always think about like, you know how your your when your phone's when your battery's going out really quickly, everyone's like, just make sure you're you know how many apps are running in the background and then close all of those apps. And I kind of think about that and just think about what are all of the apps running in the background that you don't even realize are draining you. And so I think it's important to kind of identify, you know, that can, that might be like a relationship. That might be like a certain path that you walk when you're like commuting to work. Maybe there's like a specific street or block that stresses you out. And so, you know, that's important, I think, to first at least identify what's draining you because it's not just like work. It, it can be like things that you didn't even realize. Um, but I definitely I check in with myself and actually working out. I have pretty bad anxiety and I talk about anxiety and like panic attacks on my Instagram stories a lot. And I've found that using exercise as like a tool for mental health management has been really life-changing for me. So um, I just make sure I do some form of exercise like four or five times a week, which sounds like a lot, but it's it's pretty amazing. You kind of real, start realizing that just like small things don't really bother you anymore. Yeah, it took me a long time to realize that in terms of mental health, I need to be exercising on a regular basis. But like like for me, it was kind of the three of like eating well, actually sleeping well and getting a workout. And I mean, they're obvious 
but like it's still they're so huge. obvious. <laughs> yeah, and it's like when someone's like, "Are you drinking enough water?" And you're like, <laughs> you're like "Okay, uh... but I'm looking for actual tips." <laughs> but actually, drinking a lot of water really does help. <laughs> or even um, sometimes I'll do like a I'll go to like an open mic night and do like in Queens where no one knows me, and I'll do like a five minute set and then I'll leave as if it never happened. <laughs> I really like that very much. So you mentioned the the support that you've gotten as you've been public about mm-hmm. these things. This is a tough question because I can't imagine how difficult this has been too, but like do you think it's been worth it? Um I think for me, yes. I think I can handle it. It was kind of funny. Some people were, were trying to congratulate me on the success of the article. And a lot of people were like, I don't want to say congratulations because it seems pretty terrible. Yeah. But good job. But also condolences. Yes. Congratulations. And I'm sorry. (laughs) But there were a a lot of people who thanked me for writing and sharing this piece because it validated their own experience. It was worth it from the first person who reached out to me and said, thank you. This has happened to me. And I feel so much better now that I realize that this is a real issue that happens to people every day. Um, It's like what happens to girls at school when they come forward with stories. And I think that's kind of the takeaway is that I, for me, it was worth it because I could handle it. And I knew, I knew I prepared myself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, thank you. I can't imagine how hard it's been. And I'm glad you're doing it, even though. I'm sorry. You're, thank you for, or no, thank you. You're welcome. I don't know what to say. That was really nice. That was Teen Vogue's Vera Papasova. We also want to hear from you. How do you recharge your batteries? How are you taking care of yourselves these days? Here is an idea from Jennifer in Rochester, New York. I came of age in the 1980s, and when I need to power up, I am a big fan of putting on some 1980s era music. So Duran Duran, the Go-Go's... Bangles, Cindy Lauper, and just rocking out. I get lots of really weird looks from my kids, but that's okay because after I'm finished rocking out, I am totally pumped up again and ready to tackle whatever it is that I need to do. Oh man, that is such a good power-up strategy. It reminds me of me looking at my parents dancing to ridiculous music. My dad's a big fan of the Talking Heads, and I can very distinctly remember my mother dancing around to Love Shack by the B-52s. Thanks, guys. The show
show is produced by myself, Greta Johnson, along with Justin Bull. And our coach is Trisha Bobita. If you were wondering about Trisha, she is recharging her batteries herself right now. How is she powering up? I've decided that to help me power up after a long day at work, I would like to have a pet. So I decided to get a kitten. Never had a cat before. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> she has not yet gotten a kitten, though. It is worth noting that there is a pig in her building, and the pig's name is Priscilla. She has only seen it once, but we are looking forward to more Priscilla the Pig updates. Our executive producer is Brendan Benazak. Our intern is Stefania Gomez. Tell us how you power up. If you have a favorite song to dance around to, whatever it is, let us know. You can record yourself on your smarty phone and email it to us at nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on NPR One or listen in the WBEZ app. It is also super amazingly, wonderfully helpful if you leave us some stars on Apple Podcasts. Many thanks to Lauren Adore for the review. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at NerdApp Podcast. Hey, you know what? We have a newsletter this week. I'm going to put in a link to a profile of the dog who plays Cheddar the Corgi on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You don't want to miss this. Sign up for it right now. WBEZ.org slash nerdsletter. Our theme music is by Pottington Bear. Power up. If I could redo anything in my life, I would rename my pets after delicious things. Like, I think lasagna would be a really good animal name. Really anything. But the cheeses, I like the cheese theme. Mascarpone? That would be a pony. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.